Welcome to Glass Half Full Moon, where if we didn't skateboard through the seven layers of hell, Full Moon features would go out of business. I am your host for the evening, Gabe, and joining me is the gamer, my co-host, Casey. Casey, do you like video games? I sell them for a living. Well, just because you do that doesn't mean that you like them. After we finish with this, I am probably going to go play some video games. Well, in that same regard, I will ask you, have you ever played a VR video game? VR gives me a headache. VR gives I... me the nastiest headache, which sucks because VR is the perfect platform for the horror genre when it comes to video games. Well, you see, I got I got a chance to play VR once. It was pretty fun. But there's still just a lot of technical limitations, namely the fact that it did try to steal my soul. <laughs> what game did you play? This this doesn't sound like any any VR game that I've heard of. I played Arcade. It's the new sensation sweeping the nation. Have you not heard? No. This is is this in beta? Is this an early access? Because I don't think I've seen this at my store. Well, you might have heard about the hit film it was based off of, also named Arcade from 1993. Oh, oh, th oh, that movie. Coincidentally, the movie we watched tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think they made a tie-in uh, video game for that. I thought, uh, I didn't think this was big budget enough for a tie-in video game made solely for the purpose of a cash grab. I guarantee Charles Band wanted to make a tie-in video game. I'm sorry. But no, tonight we watched Arcade. Um, Casey, was... Would you recommend Arcade to anyone? Uh, um, I didn't hate it, but Arcade to me felt like a long episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? You know what? I can sense that. I can feel that energy coming this, off of it. This felt like a really long episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's it's very PG-13, like, just bordering on PG-13, very far end of PG, um, maybe a few curse words here and there. It's got some notable character actors. We get a very young Seth Green in this. We get Seth Green. We get Peter Billingsley. Do you know who Peter Billingsley is? I do know who Peter Billingsley is. He shot his eye out. He did. I fucking um, hate that movie. In, a, in, in addition, we also got... Uh, John DeLancey. John DeLancey, well known as Q from Star Trek Voyager. Or if uh, you're a brony, John DeLancey is the voice of Discord. I'm not. I'm not. And I don't want to refer to him as such. He is Q from Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> I am less embarrassed to say I know that than to say I know him as Discord from My Little Pony. <laughs> I gotta throw in a little something embarrassing. This this movie is full of some very prominent character actors, but it's honestly just kind of meh. It's a little meh. It feels like a really long episode of a TV program. I would say that was this has to have have been one of Seth Green's first roles. Definitely one of the very very early ones, like. I wouldn't say first, because he'd been acting since he was much younger. He was uh, the original Richie Tozer. I would say this really 
is a good example that Seth Green has always had a very similar energy as an actor. And I say that as a compliment in that he he knows what it is that he does He's consistent. And it's... (laughs) And with Peter Billingsley, I know that it doesn't make sense because A Christmas Story came out is like set in the 40s but i do think of this as the continuation of ralphie's story oh god that'd be horrifying i i refer to his character as ralphie throughout my notes i don't simply because i actually hate a christmas story but that's a story for another time is it a christmas story Fuck you, we begin our movie with chrome letters and mildly ominous music over top of a blurred rainbow gyroscope. It's in this moment that I, because we had discussed Seth Green being a part of this film previously, but I had forgotten that, and I go full caps in my in my notes, Peter Billingsley, John DeLance, <laughs> Seth Green... <laughs> We get a full two minutes and 45 seconds of opening credits. And we we also get a three... The actual title card is, like, done in 3D, in very primitive 3D. And we'll get a lot more of that go- coming forward. Yeah, that's, that's why I said very... Our credits fade into someone's eyeball, and it immediately feels like a made-for-TV special. We get our main character in the guidance counselor's office discussing her mother's suicide, which, heavy topic for a made-for-TV special, but kind of makes sense. And they discuss it in as much as she feels she is to blame for her mom's suicide? Literally, the line is, my mom must have killed herself because I didn't try hard enough and I let her down. That's pretty brutal, but you know what? also pretty true that's probably what someone of that age group would be thinking i was about to say is true as in like she 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 did let her mom down and that's why she committed suicide no i'm saying that this is a true representation of grief oh yeah but also she's a bitch and she no cut it cut that cut but we also get her discussing the fact that her father is also very much a quote basket case we learned he's a bit of a drunkard later on basically our main character i forget her name i didn't even write it down it is alex ah yeah our main character alex is very nondescript protagonist, um, but of course that's what you expect from Megan Ward. We don't we don't have too much good to say of Megan Ward from what we've seen of her already. Well, Megan Ward was in Crash and Burn. She was in. She's the the past wife. She's the past future wife she is the, to Jack Death. She is the past future wife to Jack Death and Transfers two and three, and now she's a high school teenager, which is that's not correct. That's in my notes, which is, how old is this character? Is this college? (laughs) This feels... No, it's high school. It's very high school. I mean, Seth Green's voice hasn't even cracked yet. This is high school. Speaking of which, we cut to Seth Green and Ralphie, who 
again, Seth Green is just a treat. He's a treat in every any movie he's in, and that's not any different here. Yep. And they're discussing... Well, they have a Polaroid camera. That's what they have. This is a Polaroid camera, or is it some kind of variation of a camera that I'm just not aware of? It's similar enough to a Polaroid. I have a Polaroid camera. I take the photo out from it, and they just start smushing it around to make it look all kind of, like, arty, I guess? Basically, they're playing with it before it fully develops, because, like... If memory serves me right, the thing about Polaroids is that they have, like, the chemicals for developing them, like, inside the film? I'm not quite sure. I yeah. never figured out how Polaroids actually worked. But I know you're not supposed to shake them, contrary to popular belief. I don't know. But, uh, fun little fact, as we get into this, uh, super super duper uh, after school tv special this is directed by the same guy who did doll man really yeah i i feel like doll man's director has directed other things in the past that we've watched but it's always fascinating to find these directors that are repeat a guy was gonna say accomplices to charles band repeat offenders repeat offenders they are yeah, this is the same guy who directed our favorite film thus far. Directing a meh film. So Alex has met up with her friends, Seth Green and Ralphie, and her boyfriend Greg. And they're discussing a new video game that's being demoed at a place called Dante's Inferno. A little on the nose, but we'll roll with it. You can you can tell that they were trying to do a lot with this movie. They were trying to do a lot. And it really didn't work out. Like, there was a lot of different things being mushed together that they really didn't uh, see through to the end. But I will say, Dante's Inferno made me miss arcades. The dim lights and the mild haze of sweat and all the noise. It... It made me miss the old school arcades a lot. I grew up in suburban South Carolina. I didn't have arcades. I have fond memories of arcades, and I miss it. We we had shotguns and a sack of potatoes. That's what we did for fun. <laughs> so, they have gone to this arcade, Dante's Inferno, and the video game that they are there to test is called arcade little on the nose but we'll roll with it little meta it's a little meta but the whole thing is that it's a virtual reality game which i can't remember when did the virtual boy come out i'm not quite sure it would have had to have been by by now but i'm wondering how long since then because only recently in our lifetimes has virtual reality become a properly consumer-like viable. So the Virtual Boy actually was after this in 1995. Really? Yes. So the notion of virtual reality has been out for had been out for quite some time. I mean, you have Tron um, with the whole being immersed into your video games. You've got. There are all kinds of things of that aspect. 
but yeah. Well, I think that this is actually a very interesting depiction considering that where you have the goggles and you have the two handheld manipulators, it feels very much based on what real virtual reality has become, honestly. The only the only gripe that I have about that is that the fact that you have to lean forward to get into the goggles. Oh yeah, the goggles are not like a you don't put them on. You just kind of like Basically, the machine arcade is almost like one of those flight simulators you see at Dave and Buster's that has the box you get inside um but with this one you have a pair of goggles that are set into the machine. You've got the hand grips and the gloves that the power gloves that you wear cuz these are obviously Nintendo power gloves. So bad. And you lean forward into the goggles in order to see what's going on in your game. Meaning you can lean back and lose all that immersion, not to mention your ears aren't covered so you don't have any sort of way to kind of block out the outside. It's not as immersive as true virtual reality would be, but I'd say it's an interesting prototype, which is what this machine is. This is a prototype that um, John Delancey's character has brought to the arcade to kind of have the local kids beta test it. Right. And one of the things about this is the game is, quote, programmed in such a way that it adapts as you play it, which we will learn the reason why. And it's a very dumb reason, in my opinion. This is it's one of those things that they tried to like. It's one of those like they tried to do too many things. But here's here's the funny little thing. The arcade is called Dante's Inferno. And the arcade machine, as John Delancey says, has seven levels. Coincidence? I think not. No, actually it is. It is a coincidence? In the, in the story of the world, it's it, like in world universe, it's a coincidence. It is coincidental in universe. However, obviously, when they were making this film, they were definitely playing at the notion of Dante Alighieri's a depiction of hell from the Divine Comedy. They were definitely playing around with that idea with the multiple layers of hell and like why else would they call the arcade Dante's Inferno and have the arcade machine have seven levels. It's very strange. Not to mention one of the levels later on in the game is such an obvious depiction. Of the river sticks. Right. It's a very clear... It's, it's a it's very a clear very, motif It's a very, very obvious allegory that they're trying to do with the notion of virtual reality becoming a variant of hell. And it's it's interesting. It's interesting and a... Uh, I don't want to say better director. Here's what I want to say. Is that the film itself is very much... You know it who feels I want to see very... something with that? James Gunn. Yes, I would agree. Or Taika Waititi. But probably James so, Gunn. Or Sam Raimi. Anyone that's very good. Yes. But either James well, Gunn or Sam Raimi. I think those two would have the most vision in order to fully recognize that idea. So what I would like to say is that this film 
in my opinion, felt very... It had a lot of cool ideas, but nothing really stuck. A lot of cool ideas that they never really followed through to completion. I can see this film being made today and it being really good. But alas, it's not going to happen. Um, we actually now... We should get into the actual game itself because our characters are, are let in. They're doing this test run of Arcade. And we get a view of Arcade, the character, within Arcade. And he's got he's like a little bionicle face. He's very cool. I like him. And then we get sent into the computer world. And all of a sudden it becomes very clear why this film was made. And that is Charles Band got a computer. <laughs> That's the only reason. The first character to test it is... Peter Billingsley's character, Nick. And it's it's a little obvious that Nick has a thing for Alex. And first off, the graphics inside the video game look like they were part of Reboot. If anyone I would say it's sub-Reboot. Uh, yeah, you're probably right, but it's definitely not good. And literally, the first level is to skateboard through the corridors to get to the exit. Okay, so here's the thing. If this is meant to be virtual reality, how the fuck is he pretending to skateboard when the only thing he can, can manipulate are his hands? <laughs> not to mention... How does that work? Not to mention, he doesn't even get through the first level. And apparently, skating through this stupid-ass corridor was apparently too intense for Ralphie. I'm just, I'm because, baffled. I'm, because it's magic. It's, it is at this point we are, we are meant to assume that, oh, this is a magic video game. <laughs> because the, well, also we should say that the game has an eject button where if you press it on a little, like, uh, joystick, you're eg you exit the game. Which is very much hyped up as like, oh god, this is a real thing you need to use because the game is going to kill you. Yeah, it's very panic button. But Nick is like, oh my gosh, this is the best game ever. And all the kids are clamoring to test it. Alex's boyfriend gets the machine next. And John Delancey's character comes back with the some lab coats from his company for free home versions of the game that they're testing for marketing purposes. Home versions of arcade cabinets are rarely good. I don't have hope for this. <laughs> if I am a child, I'm I'm telling him, no, I'm not taking it. I know it's free, but it takes up space in my house, and therefore it's a detriment to me. Would, I don't know, if you were like... 13 or 14 and you were handed a free video game and all you had to do in return was fill out a little marketing survey i think i would take it do you want to know what do you want to know what arcade game i would take home what killer cow i'll take fight crab but also <laughs> did, you, did you see the arcade cabinet killer cow i did not there, there was a pan over during just before they hand out the VR headsets, and one of the arcade cabinets just says "Killer Cow," and I am so curious about that game. I'd play it. 
But also, why did they leave Greg alone while he's testing Arcade? Wouldn't someone want to watch him? They need to ride the hype. I guess. But as everyone is going and clamoring for their free home arcades, the machine done eat Greg. Greg gets dusted. The machine done et Greg. He gets turned into mist. He gets troned. And no one is concerned. Not a damn person other than his girlfriend. And even then, they seriously leave thinking, oh, he must have just gotten another ride home. Alex is the best girlfriend ever. It... How is no one concerned? It's... Like... Even his mom's not very concerned, considering Alex calls his house at like 12.30 in the morning, wakes up Greg's mom, and she is really calm for being woken up 30 minutes past midnight and her son not being home yet. Oh, and well, actually, before that happens, the reason it's 30 minutes past midnight is that uh, Alex puts on the headset and plays the arcade version at home. And also, they get... We should also mention that in the game, if you don't beat a level by a certain time limit, they release the Screamer. Which is just a giant... It's... You know the skeleton monster from Hellraiser? Like, at the very end? Yes. That's what the Screamer gave me vibes of. Oh, you mean the random dragon skeleton that Clive Barker just randomly wanted at the end of Hellraiser? Yes. <laughs> a little bit, That's yeah. what I... It's just a flying skull face monster. And it's... It's it's dumb. It's very dumb. It's very but we also dumb. Get, we also get a time skip whenever you play the game. Apparently, you know, time flies when you're having fun. Haha. And also I should say that the the take home is more like VR that we have know today you put the goggles on your face mm -hmm. but the goggles have outward facing lenses as though you're meant to look through them which is not how VR works do you notice that i did not but you know obviously they needed something to like, denote, oh, eyeballs go here. Because prop making. Yeah, I suppose. So yeah, Alex is playing the home version and ends up spending six and a half hours skating through corridors while Arcade itself taunts her. Arcade calls her a bitch. He does. He does straight up call her a bitch. It was at this moment I said, is, are, is that, are they trying to make Arcade a Freddy? <laughs> are they doing the Freddy? Is it prime time, bitch? It, I was straight up expecting him to say, welcome to prime time, bitch. Yep. It was getting egregious. A little bit. But after Alex has bothered Greg's mother so late at night... It also seems that parents in this town are super lax, because she just leaves the house. She Where are they living, Maine? 
She just leaves the house and goes find Nick. And apparently Nick must have gotten the PC version and Alex got the console version. I wonder if they can play cross-platform. I mean, I would assume you just can plug it in to the screen. I know, I'm making a joke. Oh, well, I didn't know that. (laughs) Nick is attached to his computer playing arcade and thankfully he's not super duper crazy immersed because Alex is able to pry him away at which point they try to call everyone at like one in the morning and also he starts gaslighting her did you notice that I did not he's she's like the game called me by my name and he's like no it didn't you're just crazy no but you don't understand the game said my name no it didn't no and it it was a little bit Ralphie fucking sucks is what I put in my notes. <laughs> and no, yeah, and then they start calling a bunch of people and a bunch of people aren't there and not a single not a single person seems concerned, which, you know, is neither here nor there, I suppose. It's it's so dumb. So she leaves Nick and they meet up the next day and Alex of course is being a high school detective like oh no, all their phones are out of order. And Nick's just like, oh, you're overreacting. When I'm sitting here, like, it could have just been a standard cell tower outage. To be fair, a a Bionicle called this woman a bitch earlier <laughs> in the evening. I would be a little bit tussled as well. <laughs> a Bionicle. <laughs> so yeah, basically, none of their other friends showed up to school Except for Alex, Nick, and I forgot Seth Green's character's name. Stilts. Stilts, yes. And the only reason Stilts was there is because he didn't actually play the game. He had a date. And he's talking about squishing her onkers. Yep. (laughs) Talk about squeezing her boobies. Seth Green is just magical. He's wonderful. He's doing God's work. So... They leave after school and go visit Lori, who is sitting in front of her TV, smiling like a loon stuck inside the game. And then Alex breaks a window. Yay! Trespassing! Vandalism! Trespassing! Yay! (laughs) And Lori is very creepy. I... I do want to compliment this shot composition in this, because it has Lori's face... Like, all zoomed in and shit. And it, it, it does feel well shot, this scene. Probably because they were just ripping off Poltergeist for several parts of it. But Yeah, you know, th- I literally wrote in my notes, this is some Poltergeist bullshit. We're just watching Poltergeist. This is some Poltergeist bullshit. And Arcade is, like, speaking through Lori that he wants Alex for whatever reason, you know, protagonist sucks. stuff. He sucks out Lori's soul through the TV in a big old poltergeist moment. And then when they try to get Lori's, like, unconscious body away, it's just zapped up and eaten. TV eats it. (laughs) Yeah, this is straight up poltergeist shit. And Ralphie straight up says, yo, let's just drive away and never look back. And I write down, this is some magic bullshit. (laughs) You know you can't run from it. Why even attempt? It's in the wires. It's literal magic, my guy. You gotta, you just gotta roll with it. 
It's electric magic. So but then they do have a smart decision, which is Alex, or rather Ralphie says, oh, this is still a game. Someone had to program this. Well, let's go find the people that programmed it and see if we can't figure out how to beat it. Yep. They go to the company that made the game and basically threaten saying, yo, we got to tell the people your game is satanic if you don't talk to us. We're going to say it's telling us to do satanic rituals. And I'm and like, you know what? This is the right time and the right place to be making those kinds of threats. Go for it. Oh, yeah. It's like, we can say that your game sucks and no one's going to buy it. And also, we might worship the devil now because of it. So, you know, hail Satan. But this gets in their way. They go and they meet with the... Um, What's this guy's role? Is he the CEO of the company? Because he's not the programmer. John Delancey's character is, I think, a sales rep. Right. I believe he is a sales rep. And they go in under the guise of wanting tips to beat the game so so they don't run around saying the game sucks because it's too hard. At which point he leads them to the programmer. Who is a little poo-poo baby who throws fits <laughs> because the video games are too hard. The video games he made. Which, he straight up says that no one has been able to complete this game, which is not how games work. Those things get play-tested. If you can't beat the game, then they don't go out for sale. Literally, Mario Maker won't let you upload a level unless you can beat it yourself. It is absurd to think because spoiler alert or not spoiler in this scene we learn they're not like satanists they're not like evil programmers they didn't put like spells in this game this is literally just a game like they did what they did was they used cultured brain cells basically to make the predictive algorithms but it's otherwise it's just a normal game that they've made but still, they're not satanists they, they used brains they used baby brains. <laughs> Don't used, get me wrong. They used human baby brains. Don't get me wrong. That's evil. But they aren't doing it for the purpose of evil. They're doing it to make money. Science. Which raises the question, why would they let this game go out in the state that it's in? Uh, the investors pushed them to up, to up the release date. The investors? The investors. Of the Satan game <laughs> yes. that steals your soul? I mean, it's the only thing that explains Cyberpunk 2077. Are they also the reason that Cyberpunk 2077 tried to steal my soul? Possibly. Hmm. I mean, it depends. How much is your soul worth? <laughs> Two Twinkies and a Tesla? <laughs> Two Twinkies and a Tesla? <laughs> Did I stutter? Are they sugar-free Twinkies? Fuck no, I don't have a soul anymore. I don't give a shit. <laughs> but, okay, let's not run past this. They used human brain cells for their video game. <laughs> I don't know how. They did use human brain cells to create Arcade, and now it's become sentient. Just, the dialogue in this scene is so dumb. Literally, the keys are the key is a line that is said... Completely serious in this scene. They have... The fucking guy has schematics for the video game. And I 
don't think I need to explain to you that that's not how you make a video game. <laughs> you don't have vague schematics. The only it, it is the only reason you might actually have schematics would be like a level layout. No, he has a fucking treasure map of vague bullshit to explain his video game. Basically, this programmer gives them the clues that they need in order to beat Arcade and save their friends from their digital hell. And of course, they return to Dante's Inferno for the final showdown, with newspapers blowing like crazy outside for no reason and just being able to break in with ease. Because, I mean, no one gives a shit where these kids go at this point anymore. If it's... If it's just a living video game, why is it also magic? It's also a gold digger, apparently. Because, uh... Was it... it? It makes them pay, right? Yes, you have to put in money. It's what it wants. Arcade is a gold digger. Oh, and then you get to play two-player mode in the game that clearly only has one headset? I'm glad I'm not the only one who noticed that supreme fallacy. It's like... At this stage, I am convinced that Charles Band thinks video games and computers are just magic. <laughs> I can't be convinced otherwise. But anyway, they get into the game, and they start skateboarding through hell. So, okay, they get transported into the game but they have the quote schematics for the game and they can't bring the schematics into the game however alex writes them down on her arm to bring it into the game which what at this point i don't question anything considering arcade also seems to have some parent issues that they need to work out as the programmer is there helping them, and it's it's just back-talking its father. And then we get them skateboarding through the spike halls of hell. Reusing they... the same shots over and over and over. Well, then they cut to... They find a door, and Ralphie's like, Is this the next level? And, I, and it's, it's not a bunch of spike halls, so it's probably in the next level. But then Nick gets gets screamered. He gets scratched by the screamer in real life. Oh, and then they briefly teleport to Doll Man because you go and you see the fucking cinder blocks and rebar. Yes, I'm glad I'm glad you noticed level two of arcade it, is the scrapyard I can from only Doll Man. Be convinced that this is a place in LA that just exists. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it is, but it's still very, very funny to me. That, And I'm very glad you noticed it, too. But Nick gets scratched by the screamer. And meanwhile, they find one of their other friends. I don't remember Greg. his name. No, Greg that wasn't in, no, Greg. No, Greg was in the, in, the, in the weird Hawaiian punch pit. <laughs> I don't think that was Greg. No, it's, it wasn't Greg. It wasn't Greg. But Alex goes and find her friend who has the second key. He's splashing around in a fucking double dare set. Basically, it's just like, grab onto my hand while I just splash at the water you're sinking in. Like, she's, she's worthless. She's so worthless. 
but not as worthless as Nick, as our supposed gamer guy gets straight up killed. Oh, he in he level would have two. been killed, but the programmer guy is there and got him out just in time. And then Alex, before she gets screamered, dives into the double dare pit and comes out and sees, and, I, and I'm going to say, she sees two peep, two like hooded figures standing on either side of like a dock in boats. And I wrote in my notes, what is this only telling lies ass bullshit? And then I was right. That is what they're doing. They're doing the one tells lies, one tells truth bit. But they do it incorrectly. They straight up say who the liar is. Who? But the way they subvert it is by saying, "Okay, one boat will take you to the next level. One will take you to the city of lies. You gotta, you gotta figure out which boat is the way that you need to go." But it's still very stupid. Well, it's it. The thing is, again, they ex- say I'm the one that tells lies and I'm the one that tells the truth, which ruins the, which ruins the riddle. Because you just go to the person that tells the truth and it's like, which one takes me where I need to go? And they'll point you there. And, oh, and it's also Seth Green and Lori are the two it, hooded it's figures. It's Stilson Lori as the boatman. And this is an obvious River Sticks reference. So, Lori figures out where she needs to go. And she just fishes some random kid out of the water. She fi- She finds a boy. She found the secret boy. Got an extra life. Secret boy collectible. Come on. Keep up. Secret boy collectible. Just randomly shows up in the middle of what should be level three. But she gets to the city and apparently it's level five. So they just straight up skipped one. Okay, wait. Level two was... Was sinking in the bubblegum. Level three was tell lies, tell truth. I would suppose level four is just the boat the, ride? The actual trip across the river? Which isn't... Like, the only challenge there was to find the secret boy. <laughs> which is very odd. Also, this random kid is obviously not saying his lines. They're just they're just dubbed over. They're straight up dubbed over. The ADR throughout this film is phenomenal. There is so much ADR. I don't know if you noticed that. It's so dumb. And then they do a Tron. Literally, they they get into their fucking cyber ship and get chased by skull cruisers throughout the cyber city. This is a straight up Tron. They do a Tron. It's so awful. But to be fair, this is the most exciting I've ever seen a full moon feature up to this point. The the very like screensaver-esque graphics, but it's 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 an improvement. Then we get to Arcade's Sanctum or whatever, and we learn that the kid is actually Arcade. I, in my notes I wrote, "Oh no, the kid was Arcade the whole time." And by whole time, I mean 2 minutes. Why though? Like, I understand, the the thing is, they, he was a kid who got his brain cultured for the game, but the question is, why is he mad? Why is he specifically targeting Alex? Why is he magic as well, seemingly? Also, apparently, Arcade's brain is based on this little boy who was beaten to death by his mom? Which... Wait, is- when did he say that he was beaten to death by his mom? I don't remember, but that is what I gleaned from this little exposition bit. And I'm just like, 
weird flex, but okay. It's very strange, but then Alex gets transported back to her home, and she wakes up, and her mom is there. Mom's like, oh, honey, are you okay? Oh, I had a terrible nightmare. You were dead. Oh, honey, I am dead. The final level is Alex reliving her mother's death. And that's fucking messed up. Which is some excellent gameplay, in my opinion. What's even more messed up is that Alex loses because her mom shoots her in the head. Oh, whoops, she has a one-up. She found the secret boy. She got the one-up. Why did Arcade give her the one-up? I don't know. Rules. To be fair, I had forgotten that she had gotten the one-up, and I was genuinely concerned for the character. So did I. I had also forgotten that she got the one-up. And she gets the one-up after her mom shoots her, and Alex wins by throwing this weird wire thingy at Arcade and freeze everyone. The were the wire thingy was the one up. It's, it's so stupid. And then the bionicle face does a big scream explode. <laughs> it does the big stereotypical scream explode. Alex wins. She frees everybody. They end up in the arcade. Seth Green does some space work. He jokes saying, hey, let's send in these marketing questionnaires that they gave us. God damn it. You, you've made my day, Seth Green. But then we get a little bit of a little bit of a tease where for some reason Alex comes to the conclusion, what if Arcade got out? And they're like that and everyone else is like, that's stupid, what are you talking about? But it turns out she was right. Oh no, Arcade was released from the game and we get a dumb zoom in on his digital face, and that's the end of the movie. And then the kid says bitch. <laughs> He shows up as a kid outside her house, just like, I am arcade, bitch. You can't get rid of me. And that's the end of the movie. This was a dumb movie. It was dumb, but I enjoyed it. It was dumb. It felt like a really long PG-13 episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? I suppose if you like those kinds of things, you would enjoy this. Maybe. I just... Are You Afraid of the Dark has much better quality in its storytelling. They don't... They don't try to throw a million different things at once. They focus on one thing in the story, and that's it. Again, this had some interesting ideas, and I think that for a certain audience, the idea of a possessed video game... Because in some ways, this is feels very internet as well. The idea of the possessed video game coming to an arcade was the was the polybith, polybus myth out there by this time? Um... I'm not certain. I am not certain. I feel like it was. But there is there is also the notion that, like, the whole idea of the virtual reality hell and the idea of putting sinners in that to be punished or tortured is a really neat idea. But in this, it just it wasn't executed well. Oh, actually... The Polybus myth would have not, or at least not have been mainstream up to this point. Huh. Which is very interesting. Maybe this inspired the Polybus myth. Who knows? Probably not. I choose to believe it. I don't. But, are you ready for more dumb shit? Because do you want to know what we're watching next time? Is it Blood Nipple Subspecies 2? It is... 
Bloodstone, subspecies two. Do you remember anything about Bloodstone one? I mean, subspecies one, rather. A little bit. I remember the stupid, really dumb CG blood demons. They weren't CG. They were they were stop motion. Oh yeah, I still remember the really dumb blood demons and how stupid the main antagonist looked. I have to question why they chose this film to have a sequel to. Uh, anyway, we will be back with Bloodstone Subspecies 2 next time. But until then, I would like to wish everyone an absolutely horrible evening. And don't don't play Polybus. You will have your soul taken away. Bye!